Hello and welcome to Overdrive, where we climb the hills, tackle the bends and endure the potholes of issues to do with motoring and transport. I'm David Brown. And in this program, we look at new stories, including Tesla autopilot crash. Transport experts defend autonomous driving technology. We road test the Kia Optima, a good-looking medium-sized sedan, but is it something more than just skin deep? And in our panel discussion with Errol Smith, we take a light-hearted look at stories, including several stories about parking wars. Might this ultimately become a military strategy? Have a question or a comment? Send it to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. You can hear longer versions of the interviews, road tests and quirky news by going to drivenmedia.com.au or podcast the whole program from iTunes or your favourite podcast service. Now, to start the program, let's have the news. In June, Australian car sales hit an all-time record with the highest sales ever recorded. The main reason appears to be increases in business sales. Over 128,000 vehicles were sold in June, up over 2% on the same month last year, which has put the industry on target for a record-smashing 1.2 million sales this year. Hyundai's top-selling i30 small car crunched all comers for the fourth month in a row, with over 6,400 sales. This was a record for a small car, and the biggest performance by a single model since Holden Commodore hit 6,800 units back in June 2005. Hyundai is now comfortably in third place behind Toyota and Mazda. Ford has rebounded and is now in fifth place. And Kia is now in the top 10 with increases in the month of June, up 41% compared to last year. Reports have come out about a fatal accident in America two months ago in which a man was using autopilot in his Tesla electric car when he hit a truck and was killed. The vehicle was on a divided highway with autopilot engaged when a semi-trailer drove across the highway perpendicular to his Model S sedan. The car contacted the trailer where the height of the truck was high enough to hit the car at the windscreen level, which is likely to have contributed to the crash resulting in a fatality. Neither autopilot nor the driver applied the brakes before the car hit the side of a white trailer which was against a brightly lit sky in the background. While some people will feel that this should slow down the development of autonomous vehicles, others are calling to continue research at full speed to achieve the expected value from this technology. Cars and trucks may very soon be able to see what's coming around the next corner and automatically avoid collisions without having direct line of sight, all using cloud-based technology. This has immense consequences for self-driving vehicles. One of the biggest helps in making autonomous cars might not be what the car itself can see, but what information the vehicle will get from nearby cars. Location technology developer HERE announced what it claims is a major step forward in reaching global consensus on what kind of technical language autonomous vehicles will speak, saying that more than 11 major automotive manufacturers and suppliers have agreed to its open data standard, dubbed Sensorus. The agreement is potentially a very big deal because it could form the basis of a workable consensus on which interoperable international standards for autonomous vehicles can be built. 
Car makers are desperate to avoid a repeat of the compatibility wars that can fragment developing industries. Motorcycle deaths in Michigan jumped 23% last year, according to a study released by the Governor's Highway Safety Association. The organisation blamed the increase in motoring deaths in Michigan on the repeal of a state law that required helmets for all riders in 2012. Currently only 19 states and D.C. require all riders are helmeted. Another 28 mandate helmet use by riders younger than the age of 18 or 21, and three have no requirement at all. The Safety Association said that Michigan was one of 31 states that has had increases in motorcycle deaths in 2015. The group said that even in states with helmet use laws, not all specify that helmets must meet federal safety standards. A New Zealand study shows that children overwhelmingly prefer to walk or cycle to school rather than travel by car. An Auckland University of Technology survey revealed a staggering 96% of children preferred active modes of travel despite the majority of children travelling to school by car. It's the first time researchers have asked children how they felt about the morning commute to school. Many of the Auckland children's surveys said they liked socialising, being outdoors and playing games on their way to school. According to the New Zealand Ministry of Transport, the proportion of primary-aged children commuting by car has almost doubled to 55% in the past 25 years. The ABC reported on problems in Western Australia where children under seven years of age have been prohibited from riding on a parade float unless they are wearing a seatbelt. Effectively, this removes young children from participating on the back of a float in local festivals as there are unlikely to be any seatbelt facilities. The changes have already impacted the size of a country float parade in the Kimberley town of Derby, according to the Boab Festival president, Bill Hart. The problem became apparent when organisers applied to the Department of Transport for their annual procession licence. The Boab Festival float parade typically features children from school, sporting and community groups waving to onlookers from the back of decorated trucks, utes and trailers. But there is some doubt as to whether the legislation really exists. And that has been the news. For quite a while I have liked the look of the Kia Optima, a medium-sized sedan. They haven't driven one for a while. We have driven the Ford Mondeo and it has come a long way and the Toyota Camry has just got a bit better looking. A bit. Uh, Subaru's latest Liberty is a pretty good car. They've made some big improvements in recent years. So how is the Optima holding up? We went to the launch last year, but now we've had them, the two models, for a week or so. They are only two versions, in fact. The SI, 34500 plus on-roads costs, and the GT, it comes in at about $44,000. That's actually a price hike of $3,000 on previous models, but then again, it's still not that dear. Errol has driven the base model, and I have driven both. Errol joins me on the line to talk about it. Errol, you'd have to say uh, an Optima looked pretty good in the driveway. Yeah, David, when I came over to uh, to pick it up, I actually thought it was another 
much more expensive model that may have been in the driveway that you'd recently had. It really is a really stylish-looking car, and, and it's it would have to be up there as one of the, the better-looking of the, um, shall we say, affordable medium-sized sedans. Those sedans, we should go back to the Magna days, and, of course, the Camrys that have been around, have always been, as I've said, like sensible shoes, practical sorts of things. But really, the Optima a few years ago came out with what, was a pretty darn good looking car this one has changed a bit with the new model i'm not sure it's that much better although i prefer the wheels the mag wheels on them and then the model it replaced particularly the upmarket version so yeah all pretty good you would, you would have to say how did it drive what was it like on the road well it, it passed what i call the get in and go test so, you know, there's nothing nothing odd about it. It doesn't have things in funny places or anything. It's really quiet. I've noticed that it's, you know, a big win. It's got a really uncluttered, uncluttered dash with not too much information. You don't have that information overload. You get in um, some other models. And, um, and um, you get a fair amount of uh, standard um, active and, and passive safety features out of the box. Nice 7-inch touchscreen. The infotainment system, was that good? Yeah, it's a big clear screen and easy to read and uh, it's got GPS with uh, live live traffic info. Also has an active speed warning alert with audio. Sorry, I don't want to appear as though I break the law a lot, but I actually wanted to turn it off. It's like lane departure warning that gives you a big buzz. Mm. You think, oh, all right, I made a mistake. Oh, I've, I've done it again. And particularly if it's very sensitive. I, I want to learn. I don't mind that. But sometimes if you just go a few k's over the limit, you know you're doing it and you're going to slow down anyway. I don't need a nagging voice to tell me. Yeah, if you're going down, a, you know, going into a dip and up again, you, you're not going to hold the, the brakes all the way down. I went up turning the alert back to visual because it was, you know, there's only so many times you can hear. You are over the speed limit. But of course, if your teenager on P-plates is driving, you're going to leave that turned on. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you also get speed sensing cruise control, which uh, I found worked um, really well, uh, except that occasionally wouldn't turn on for no apparent reason. But um, when it was on, it worked, it worked well. I don't know if I'm getting older and I'm struggling with technology, but sometimes I just find cars, it just... It does things one way, and when you do, you appear to do exactly the same. It doesn't do the same thing for you. Mm. I find that difficult. Uh, in terms of the engine, you had the bigger engine, but the less power. Non-turbo. It was a non-turbo engine. Two point four liters, adequate. Yeah, yeah. You get a, um, almost one hundred and forty kilowatts. It's more than enough guts. I mean, this isn't a, a rocket of any kind, but um, yeah, you're not going to be lacking in power at all something like this and 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 you had the one with the two litre turbo which has got about another more than 40 kilowatts more and uh, about 100 newton meters more more torque so what, what was that like it was a better engine the 2.4 non-turbo is an older engine this two litre one is a newer a new engine and do you know what i hardly noticed it to start with because i just to my mind it's a medium-sized sort of family sort of car. They call it a GT. They used to call it the Platinum. I think the Platinum is probably a more appropriate word. Mm. It's upmarket rather than being a Grand Tourer, as the name GT suggests. It's not as if it's a bad Tourer. And the extra power when you do use it, you know, it's there and it's obviously better. Mm. But it doesn't turn it. I think you use the expression there. It's not a rocket. And the GT version isn't a rocket either, but not that I want it to be. It's faster, 
that it's not actually fast. But compared to to other models, and the Camry falls into this market, which have a Clayton Sports model, which has exactly the same engine as the regular one, this does actually have more power. Um, mm-hmm. So you do have more more power and better tyres. But aside from that, the real differences are really more features. And, and we should mention that you can have any spec level you like as long as it's the SI or the GT. It is rather uh, limited in that regard. I've got to say, while we're talking about the engines, and they come with the uh, typical Kia come Hyundai six-speed automatic gearbox, the engine's got pretty good miles per gallon or litres per hundred. They rated at 8.3 for the, the less powerful engine and 85 for the turbo now that's actually not much difference although a number of testers had found that the smaller powered engine actually does better than the rating which is quite unusual usually you add about 10 percent but the 2.4 liter not the world's greatest powerful engine but is really not bad on economy some Mm. certainly talk around the seven and the seven and a half sort of level yeah we're certainly not taxing the engine at all in 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 typical use Full spare, you like that? Yes, it, it is good to have a full-size spare, and there's really no excuse in a, in a car of this size anyway. Being a, a car of this size, it's got uh, heaps of you know great rear legroom, um, a big boot with uh, split-fold rear seats. The boot has 510 litres without folding the seats down. That's as good as, if not a bit better, than a Commodore, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, the Commodore rear seats don't fold down. Errol, thank you very much for your time. No worries, David. And we'll talk a little quirky news in a moment. There's Errol Smith, and as I say, that was the Kia Optima medium-sized sedan, now on the market in two forms. You're listening to Overdrive. And it's time to talk a little bit of the unusual instances of events that have happened in the world of motoring and transport. This week, I'm joined by Errol Smith. G'day, Errol. G'day, David. Now, parking wars. There's several stories here. Very quickly, garage owner in the city of Qingdao. Two people kept parking him in. What did he do? He got a forklift. He proceeded to place the two illegally parked cars, a minivan and a two-door Volkswagen, on the roof of his garage. Of course, the owner of one of the cars is going to sue him. Elsewhere, you can now, for $40 on Amazon, buy drive-away spikes, but they're only of rubber, so it's more a visual deterrent for would-be driveway encroachers. And parking as a weapon, a 40-year-old resident of an apartment building in the city of Ziang, he had a dispute with neighbours about noises, so he used his Porsche to block the other person's BMW, and they have sat unused since April 2015, over a year. Neither car has moved. As in most hostage situations, an innocent bystander has suffered the most due to the placement of the two cars. A door to the local branch of the ICBC bank is inaccessible. But finally, here's the point. As an element of war, parking restrictions usually say you you can't park in an area unless you're a local. And you're given some visitors' car park signs. Now, a nanny has been using them in Capitol Hills, a number of nannies. And this has affected a person who uh, kicked up a stink, left notes under the windscreen wiper, threatened to have cars towed and stole number plates. The point I'm making here, Errol, is that the person was from the Defence Department. Do you think we might well be able to use parking as a weapon of war? 
Well, uh, clearly. I mean, uh, he, he thought they really were out to get him in this case. Uh, top Pentagon official, a public spokesman for the Pentagon who's been on, you know, you've, we've probably all seen him on TV at some point. It's interesting that, that someone who's, whose role it is to represent the biggest upholders of the, the law within the US is um, just a little bit nuts. He's nuts and he, he's making parking a big issue. Brian Whitman, a retired army officer, he now works as a member of the public with the Defence Department. His title is Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary basically means he gets a coffee, doesn't it? Of Defence for Public Affairs. But Errol, look, Saddam Hussein, don't invade his country, park him in. Mm. Then he Mm. can't get to work. He spends money on a car that he can't move. He gets frustrated. Then he spends all his time in court on legal disputes. Surely this was a better approach. I I like this this garage owner in China who, who was sick of these guys parking him in. So got a forklift and put them on the roof of his garage. So basically, he just gave them a lift. <laughs> Apparently, he was just laughing his head off when, when one of them returned. And it was after weeks. It wasn't just like it had been there for a day. It had been, been no. parked there for months. And apparently he just, just couldn't stop laughing when the guy came back. And the most interesting thing, and this follows on for the other story, is that technically he wasn't breaking the law. It was a civil matter. The police just didn't want anything to do with it. Guy's going to sue him for scratching his car. Gee, you would hope a magistrate or a judge would put those two people in their place. I used to live in a unit, and one night a guy parked in front of my driveway. I was trying to go to work. I couldn't get out. And, you know, we had to manhandle the car. He eventually came down and, oh, what are you doing? Well, what do you think I'm doing? I'm trying to live my life without being totally and utterly inconvenienced by mm. you because you're of the way you park. Mm. But I love this other, this other story of these two luxury cars. I don't understand how one of them is not, le- not illegally parked because the other one yes. is, is legally parked and is blocking the other one in. So I don't know how that works. And I also don't understand how they're not, legally parked because they're stopping a door from opening at a bank. I would have thought the bank would have got a forklift before this. <laughs> yeah, they should have called the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> but but you look at this, the cars have been sitting there for more than a year. These obviously, both of these people obviously are upholding their, standing their ground is more important to them than a $100,000 sports car. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's like it's like the slowest game of chicken in the world. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not giving... <laughs> I'm going to stay here. Cutting off your nose to spite your face, isn't Mm, it? It's a reality that I think is absurd. In China, in a big city there, they probably don't use their car anyway all that much. They just go out and and buy another one, don't they? Do you know there was once a television show called Parking Wars, Mm. a reality television show on the A&E network? That's that network that runs things like Porn stars. P-A-W-N, we should yes. emphasize. And uh, what are those garage ones where they open up garages. Yes, the, the pickers shows and all those kind of things, yeah. Not my kind of entertainment, but uh, the program followed traffic enforcement employees around. began in 2008, January, and finished in December 2012, so it had a reasonable run. Mm-hmm. So those brown bom- bombers were busy for a while. Oh, brown bombers, what a great name isn't it, given that we're trying to link it to the military. Maybe if they had have added some military scenarios there, it might have done better. A bomb or two might Mm. well have really Mm. just made even the program last a lot longer. Mm. Errol, you have a story? 
Well, David, they say it's all about keeping up appearances. So as Uzbekistan's capital, Tashkent, has taken on this motto by banning old Soviet-era cars from getting into the city. This will have the effect of there only being locally made cars or expensive imported ones on the roads. And why the drastic measure, you might be thinking, well, there's a major international summit about to be held there and they want to at least look like they've left all that old USSR stuff behind them. So it's politics. They've just missed one little slight wrinkle, David, and that's mm. Russia is one of the major attendees of this summit. <laughs> They might be thankful they don't have to get into one of their own cars. Oh, God, there's an old ladder. Reminds me, <laughs> reminds me of the old days we were trying to leave behind. If you're trying to appear authoritative and a, Vo a Volga or a Moscovich is uh, broken down in front of you, then it, you know, I'm sorry I'm late to the meeting, but some old Russian car broke down. Perhaps it doesn't look good. Yes. We've had a little bit of that. We had anti-French feeling when the atomic tests were being held at the Bikini Atoll. Mm. And so people that drove a Renault or a Citroen were looked down on. I wonder how effective it could be. I don't think it really affected it that much because what happens is once you get your hip pocket nerve involved, and I'm in America, I've been to America, to Hawaii, where there was Pearl Harbor, and there are a lot of Americans there that are still very anti-Japanese. They'll never buy a Toyota. Yeah, although Toyota's the second biggest selling, if you go look at December, last December figures. General Motors is number one, Toyota is number two, but then, of course, you have Ford and Fiat Chrysler. Well, Fiat, see, Fiat, of course, it has that sort of link mm. to Chrysler which was rather good. Interestingly, I don't know that General Motors outsold Volkswagen about 10 to 1. Yes. Maybe Hitler's image lasts longer. When you put on, want to put on a good display, you know, Sydney did that when they were pitching for the Olympic Games and uh, some people from the Olympic movement came out to look at the city, they got all the traffic lights to turn green for the cars that were carrying Olympic officials. Yes. No, nothing sus about that at all. And it goes, oh, geez, you've got fantastic, uh, no congestion around here. Oh, no, yeah, that's, that's pretty normal. Yeah. Will Brexit, Britain leaving the European Union, do you think that will change our attitudes to British cars? It might, although I suspect the answer will be because they'll get more expensive because that seems to be the, the, <laughs> the direction of what might happen. Back to the hip pocket nerve. Yes. If you want to look rich, I guess you could only have pos prosperous cars. If you had to want to look environmental, you could only have small cars. If the Royals visited, in HC, you wouldn't want everyone to be driving a Rolls Royce because the, the Royals would have to look above, be above the hoi polloi. So then, then you want the old Russian cars on the road. Well, that, maybe that's right. And then the Queen could get out and give a gold coin to all the drivers. <laughs> Probably worth more than the car. Indeed. Errol, you have another story, this time of uh, purity, or attempted purity. Tennessee Highway Patrol officer probably thought he'd finally seen it all when he pulled over a car on suspicion of drunk driving. The 35-year-old suspect blew 0.117 and was found to have a handgun in the centre console. But of course, this is the US, so that wasn't uncommon. But the suspect was wearing some kind of mesh hose, and that makes as much sense to me as it does you and a little red skirt around his waist, which turned out to be covering up a chastity belt, for which he needed the key, I presume, to pee. 
Well, we've had alcohol locks. Yes. Well, th- this we? is this is so, more of, of of getting the alcohol out, I suspect, than uh, than in. Apparently, he he admitted once he was in custody to needing not only the key that was in his vehicle, but also the other key that was around his passenger's neck. His passenger's neck. So apparently, this is a, a Cold War era chastity belt. You need both keys turned at the same time to you know launch the missile, so to speak. <laughs> I missed that for a while, but. N- well, they say the shape of those missiles. That doesn't matter. <laughs> now, maybe they're a good thing, right? The whole issue with Uber drivers coming out is that women may not be safe. Maybe if we made a requirement, like having an alcohol <laughs> lock, that you had to... I'm not making any judgment on any Uber driver. I'm just saying the image would give them the chance to be able to appear to be safer. Right. <laughs> Or if you constantly abuse people, maybe you've got to wear a gag or a muzzle. There's a whole pile of things that perhaps we need to think about controlling when people get into a car because they become out of control. Yes, well, he was definitely out of control. I guess he needed the key to, you know, start him up again. Only in America. Now, speaking of babies, David... You've got another story. I do have a story. The Colcraft Baby Products Company, it's created a giant virgin, version, mm. a virgin, version of its Contours Bliss. Must have had a chastity belt on if it was still a virgin. Uh, but apparently this stroller is big enough for parents to try out. And their president, Tom Colton, said the giant stroller was built to give parents a better idea of what their children experience. The supersized stroller is more than twice the size of one for babies, measuring seven feet six inches high and six feet deep and four feet wide, he said. Errol, you know we're going to have to road test one of these. Absolutely, David. When are we we getting it? I'm not sure that we're on the list yet, but I tell you what, you can go to the launch. It won't be in a restaurant with a nice meal. It'll have fairy bread and cordial. And and to test it, (laughs) you'll have to eat an ice cream and let it dribble down your chin and all over your hand. I'm not sure who's going to push you, though, Errol. They need to be put put down for my afternoon nap. (laughs) (laughs) What you'll have to do is you'll have to put away your driving leather driving gloves and put on a nappy and suck a a dummy, I think. (laughs) It's a bit strange uh, looking at the uh, the photos of, of just seeing these adults sitting in a pram that's to scale. Yes. And, of course, they have to be pushed by another adult in a slight wrinkle in, in the safety department, can't actually see because the thing's so high. Uh, yes. Can't see where he's going. Well, you need it to be autonomous. Errol, it's always been good to talk to you, always is good to talk to you, and uh, we'll see you next week, I hope. Thanks for your time. No worries, David. Errol Smith talking some unusual stories, some very unusual stories, sort of, related to the world of wheels, of motoring and transport. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Brian Smith, David Campbell, Errol Smith and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Overdrive can be heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. You can listen to longer segments of the features, road tests and quirky news on our website at drivenmedia.com.au or podcast the whole program on iTunes or your favourite podcast service. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.